I'm Dave Littleproud, the federal leader of the Nationals, and I'm here with uh, Matt and Andrew. Right on. We, we, we did throw that into David at the last minute, so it was a good one. It was much better than, yeah. Zach, much better than Zach's last week. From Grand Growers, yes, definitely. Uh, where he, low so, bar, is that what you're telling me? No, he just stuck to the Wow, the, the, low bar is, the low bar is if we did it, David. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why we get the guest to do it now, because the guest almost always does a better job than us. So, David, we know you've not got much time because, you know, you're a busy, busy man. So we're just going to jump straight into it. And with all of our guests, we like to make sure that they are compass mentors. We like to do a bit of a psychological test because we're qualified to do that as agricultural market analysts. So we'll run through the, uh, the sixth sense. This is uh, six words or phrases, and we'll expect you to give us our, uh, your, your first thing that comes into your mind, either a sentence or one word. Yep. And that will determine basically how you're going to be treated for the rest of the podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, so, crucial. it's crucial. It's crucial. Yeah. <clears throat> Matt, you go. Live sheep exports. Sorry, you cut out, sorry. Live sheep exports. Uh, a must-have. Crocs footwear. Uh, a must-have. A fashion must-have. <laughs> It's looking good so far. Black pudding. <laughs> Black pudding. Uh, wouldn't touch it. Oh, it's all right. Okay. 50-50. Mm. <laughs> I'm from Western Queensland. Who has like pudding out here? Christ. Trade with China. Important. Uh, biosecurity. Imperative. I was about to use foot and mouth disease. Um, oh. The, the government's uh, approach to the foot and mouth disease last year? Uh, sloppy. I thought you were going to go farm labour. We've done our six. Very good. Very I'm good. Confused. I mean, all the answers were pretty pretty spot on, I thought, except for the black pudding one. The black, <laughs> the black pudding one was terrible, but you saved yourself by agreeing with Crocs as a fashion item. So you do... Uh, you do make it through. We'll continue the conversation, mm -hmm. and we're not going to rip you too much either. No. Uh, have you have you actually eaten black pudding yet, David? Ever, or you just don't like the idea of it? No, I had a crack at it in the UK once. Uh, don't know if it was just there, but no, nah, uh, it was. Yeah, I, I thought I'd be brave, uh, and then I just thought I was stupid. At least you've tried it. Some yeah. some guests some guests that come on and say that they don't like it, but have never tried it. So you've got to at least give credit, Andrew, that Dave's had a go at it. Yep, definitely. Yeah. It will be. Yeah. Uh, it will be. Uh, well received by many listeners and our, and our sponsor that you have tried it, <laughs> but but didn't like it. Right. Oh well, this is a serious podcast, as as all of our podcasts are. Clearly, it's a professional podcast. So you said. Uh, well, actually, one of the things I wanted to ask you was: you've obviously you're the no longer the ag minister, but what what? How did you feel it went? You were four years as an Ag Minister? Yeah, four, nearly five years. Five um, years, yeah. Uh, I'll let the Australian people decide, but, um, you know, I, I, I came with the intent of knowing that that chair came with, with time uh, stamped on it and I wanted to make sure that the reforms uh, across Ag, uh, I didn't wait and I didn't wait for review after review but just got on with the job and, and that's what I want to do and particularly even with water, 
I mean, um, water was challenging with it, mm. but we, we were able to get the sustainable diversion limits through the parliament, which means we can use infrastructure on buybacks, Northern Basin review through and the neutrality test for the additional 450 water. They don't know whether the water minister's been able to do that. I uh, got an ag visa that's now been ripped away, <laughs> uh, even though we're 172,000 workers short and there's been ASEAN countries that have made offers subsequent to Labor pulling that ag visa away to send their workers here and they've been turned away. Uh, the, the live export uh, reforms for sheep, I, I'm, yeah, that was a pretty tumultuous time, but I'm proud of um, the fact that I was able to get them through, but proud of the industry while I was as popular as the pox with the industry at the time uh, and understood that because this is a big change, but we've got an industry that has a, has a licence to operate and does it better than anyone else in the world, which is what upsets me about the reforms uh, that, that this mob is, is putting in place, the, the stewardship program, the world first, um, that uh, for being able to measure biodiversity, that, that train is coming at us along with carbon in ag, and we've now got the tools to be able to, to handle that as an agricultural sector that we didn't have before. I think that'll be a big legacy item. Uh, but things like the, the RIC, Regional Investment Corporation, mm. um, you know, um, I was able to get that up and going. It, it was locked in the Senate. In fact, that was the first piece of legislation I got through. Um, but the other big one that I was proud of um, was, was breaking the dollar litre milk. I took on the, the CEOs of uh, the two big supermarkets, the Australian supermarkets and the big German, uh, and, and we broke them. And there's still more work to do, and I think competition policy is one that um, it still needs more work. We, we took some steps towards the end of our... Our Rainers government with the ACCC perishable goods inquiry got two of the four recommendations done. And I'm working now constructively, even though in opposition with, with Andrew Lee, who's the competition minister, to, to further go uh, down that. And I think that's going to be necessary, particularly as you see uh, the two big Australian supermarkets going further down the supply chain. So you know, I'll, I'll let people uh, judge my legacy, but um, I'm proud of what I've done. I, I sort of went as hard and as quick as I could without uh, doing anything too silly. Well, that's an interesting point you make, David. I've seen you speak a few times as Ag Minister, and one of the things I have to say that impressed me straight away was your willingness to work across party lines for the benefit of the ag sector broadly, and, and it looks like you're doing the same now as, as in the opposition. Um, uh, do you think that that kind of mutual idea of working across party lines for that benefit of the industry is still happening from, from the other side of politics, or is it, or is it kind of not as you know, kind of in, in front of mind for them, do you think? Yeah, uh, they've got their ideology. I, I don't think Murray's going to change a lot. I think what he has changed, he's already done, which is blowing up the live sheep job, which is just pure insanity. There is no science to back that. The ag visa, um, uh, getting rid of that is just insanity. Uh, when NFF have said they need 172,000 workers to get food from a paddock to plate, uh, and, they're, and they're going to knock all, all they can have is the Pacific scheme, which is 42,000 workers. Now, I'm only a black with year 12 education, but you're a long way short. And the maths is pretty simple. Uh, and so that just is pure insanity. It's all ideology driven by their political masters, the AWU. It's interesting, think- it's interesting because we, I went to a presentation a few weeks ago with uh, A-Bears, with Emma Germano and somebody, I can't remember, from AWU. AWN, whatever they're called. One of the unions. One of the unions. Yeah, and, one of the uh, AWU. Yeah. And they were, their argument was there's enough Australians to fill the jobs. <laughs> and it's just nonsense on stilts. Now, I'm sitting in Rome and I can tell you uh, there are people screaming for workers here. And it's not just agriculture. It's mm. in regional occupations, uh, whether it be mechanic, whether it be chef, 
and, and we just need some common sense. And, and I think, unfortunately, the, the way that the AWU demonised Australian farms and actually went and visited embassies and told ambassadors that Australian farmers would exploit their workers is one of the most disgraceful things I've seen in Australia mm. do to their fellow Australians. So, they, so um, they went they went out to the embassies and told them. Yeah. So, the, so we were negotiating with four four countries, and they went to all four and told them, "Do not send your workers here. Australian farmers will exploit them." Now, that's not the actions of an Australian organisation that I think uh, should be anyone should be proud of. And, and so, uh, we were still able to sign up Vietnam in the end, and, and but now we hear at certain estimates that. Other ASEAN countries have come forward and made offers to to uh, want to rejoin and, and actually get in on the ag visa, but Labor said no. All that we've got available to us is a Pacific scheme, forty two thousand, competing with healthcare, aged care, uh, childcare. Um, that's not going to be So that that that. Uh, I mean, but I think most of the challenges for ag from the new government will probably come from Tanya Plibersek, um, not necessarily from Murray White. I think Murray White um, will just. Uh, continue on with much of the things apart from live sheep and, and workforce uh, with what we put in place. Because mm, we, we spoke to the Guatemalan ambassador on a podcast. Yeah, he's keen as well. Yeah. Back in mm. November and he was ultra keen on because mm. yeah. they have the same scheme in Canada and Sp- Spain and Israel. And his sort of issue was, well, if you don't sign up quickly, then Spain and Israel will take them all. Exactly, and, and with the workforce, I think, given the, the tropical nature of Guatemala and the type of stuff they, they kind of, produced there from an agricultural perspective is well suited to Queensland, I think. So right in your kind of wheelhouse. And, yeah. and as somebody who's was in Guatemala You've been a, been, a, Andrew's a, been a, been to Guatemala a month ago. Yeah. I can say that the food is fantastic. And that's what you want in Roma is some Guatemalan restaurants. Yeah. And and some mezcal. Like forget about tequila. Some mezcal. It'd be fantastic. So what I just I had a personal question for you, David. Yeah. <laughs> Question without so, notice. Question without notice. But so you had four years of uh, of being in the five years, sorry, being ag minister. Do you think you were a little proud or a lot proud? <laughs> yeah, as long as I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're we're good at using old old dad jokes, don't we? So, it's all about yeah, yeah. you know nothing nothing new is under the sun. Yeah. But but was it was it stressful? Was what I actually was. Um, no, no. I mean, there was pressure, hmm. um, but it actually, you know, like I'd only been in Parliament 18 months. Uh, and so uh, I, was, I was trying to, to wrestle with my, my mental demons about am I good enough to be here? Uh, and, in fact, question myself probably at the start. And then I thought, you know what, um, Western Queenslanders don't do that. They, they don't sit in the fetal position in the corner and give up. They come swinging. And I thought if I go down... I go down, but I'll go down my way. Um, and to be honest, the, the live sheep uh, issue with the Awasi hit probably only within about four months of being appointed. And that took the focus away from me just focusing on myself to focusing on a problem and just immersing myself in it, fixing it as best I could to keep to that principle that I wanted the industry to survive. Um, because I was I was not just fighting it on a public perception, I was fighting in the parliament. We had Liberals that were prepared to cross the floor. And this is what a lot of people in West Australia didn't realise at the time. I was trying to make sure that we didn't lose a vote in Parliament because it was gone. Um, and so there was Liberals prepared to cross the floor of it. And that was probably the moment uh, after I walked out of that, realised, you know what, just focus on what your job is, know that it's got a, a timestamp on it 
and just go as hard as long as you're sitting in that chair. And if someone gets in your road, bust through. And those people invariably go on the road with the department. And so you, you, you learn about how to manage them properly to make sure you got what you wanted. It was my priorities. And so um, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've got to say, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, I really did, and I think we did some good stuff. In fact, one of the one of the other things when you say what, what was the good things I left, one of the good things that was happening in Western Australia. I was sitting, I was sitting in a, in a shearing shed with a whole lot of farmers, and this guy jumped up the back and he said, "David, uh, why why do we have a different definition of land than New Zealand?" And I said, "Mate, I'm buggered if I can tell you." And I told one of my advisors to walk out to ring the department, and I want to know why before I finished this meeting, it was about 20 growers there. They came back and the department said, oh, well, no one's ever asked. So from that, we changed the definition of land, which meant uh, sheep producers across the country got an extra 40 bucks a head roughly because we changed the definition basically off the, off the teeth and, and brought it into line with Western Australia. So that was probably not my great idea, but the fact that showed the power of that job and how you can influence the future of, of people that you, you know, that you represent, particularly being a NAT, just representing regional rural remote Australia. David, you, you said that the live sheep export, the start of the asset you mentioned in the sixth sense, I think imperative was the word you described it as or something to that, to that effect. Um, now, from where we see that obviously the, the, the current government's got a pretty clear agenda to phase it out. They're going through the panel phase at the moment, but industry's kind of backlashed a little bit and said they're not, they're, you know, they're not kind of admitting defeat on the on the idea of phase out. They're still trying to pursue politically to change opinion. Do you think that battle coming from someone now in inside the Canberra bubble and, and well experienced, is that political battle lost? Should we just, as an industry, should we be focused on trying to manage the phase out as best we can and make sure that it's as least damaging as possible or can we still pursue that fight do you think um you know is, is there is there room to get a change of opinion well mate i'm from western queensland you don't get in the feet of you give up you keep swinging and, and let me tell you we've got it this this is pure insanity there is no science uh, around this and, and this is the, the issue that i have about this there was a there was a mistake in the cattle industry uh, and they they were banned temporarily, mm. but they were given a second chance. We reformed the sheep industry, the export industry, uh, to have science that we can measure the pants per minute of those sheep on a boat at any given time, uh, the amount of airflow that's going through those pens, the weight of the beast, the actual to the millimetre, the length of the wool. Uh, let me tell you, we will be exporting animal welfare standards to countries like Ethiopia and Sudan. Uh, who don't have stocking density limits. They simply put as many as they can on and get paid for how many come off. And the other thing is it's not just the shipment over. It'll actually be the abattoirs over there that are accredited to SCAS standards, our standards. They will be gone. And so for these, even the RSPCA who came and saw me the other day and want this phased out, want it shut down, I actually have to question their moral virtues and their moral compass. They are bankrupt. Because they are saying they are valuing sheep from, from Australia above another country. We will see standards drop on boats and in abattoirs in these countries. And this notion that we can process it all here and send is ridiculous. And let me tell you why, because I've actually been there and spoken to the Prime Minister from Qatar, who normally wouldn't speak to a foreign agriculture minister, uh, and in Kuwait to the ag minister there, because this is a food security issue for them. And they were very clear to me that unless you send us live sheep, we will not take your process sheep. And so that is a very clear message that if you think you, you can tell these people what to do, you are you are joking. 
Mm. So the reality is that we've got a responsibility to stay and do this right. There are 3,000 men and women in Western Australia who lose their livelihoods for no other reason than an ideology. And when this government um, allowed animal activists effectively to announce this phase out rather than themselves, it shows who's running this show. Uh, and that's that's a frightening thing. And, and the other more pressing and urgent thing on this that really worries me is that they didn't marry what not only has not only not been to, to face up in town halls to the Western Australian industry, he sent a department over to Kuwait and, and Qatar to tell them he was going to phase it out, but he sent them to the wrong department. He sent them to the wrong government agency. Now, the professionalism or the lack thereof and the disrespect he is showing foreign countries, but he's showing his fellow Western Australians. Uh, that just beggars belief. We, we've it, got to be... It, even worse than that. Even worse than that. He still not even came on the AgWatch's podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> well he, he said he's going to, so you know, we want to leave the door open. He's probably going to wait until he is in the opposition as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you mentioned, I, I have to bring a point of order though. You did mention you used the word bankrupt describing the animal rights activists. And I think if you that's, look at that's, their, if you look at the finances, 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 they are not bankrupt. They, they, you might be able to say morally, morally, morally bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. They've got too much money. We'll take that as a point of order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right though, because like, whilst we are podcasters, amateur podcasters, we are also market analysts. And that's one of the things we looked at, or I looked at a few weeks ago, was looking at where the Middle East is getting its sheep from. And if you look at the data, it's like a who's who of countries that, I'm not saying they've got questionable standards, but a country that's currently under 20 years of civil war probably doesn't have the best animal welfare standards, like Somalia. Well, that, that same country had a ship, a boat that fell over in the harbour and oh, a whole right. heap of ship <laughs> only, only a year or so ago. Couldn't even get out of the out of the port. Yeah. I don't want to name names, but like Somalia is not mostly well known for animal, well, it's not known for human welfare, never mind animal welfare. And those countries have all seen massive upticks in volume at the same time that we've seen our income or values drop. But the thing is, we aren't actually seeing any increase in box meat either. No. It's 50% or 56% on average is live sheep into the Middle East. And the box meat is basically staying the same, if not dropping. So you are right in, in that sort of thing. And that's the challenge that if we are going to get rid of live sheep, we have to find a market for those, those, those type of sheep, that like greater sheep. And you'll go to production systems in Western Australia as well. This will, this will, so in the wheat belt lower... Uh, part of West Australia, um, you know, they'll they'll be able to pivot. But in as you go further north, their production systems are going to be a lot harder. They, you know, they don't have the grain. They'll they basically are a sheep production area. And you take away this market, this is this is this is huge for them. Hmm. So, in the interest of time, we better we, we mentioned biosecurity, and, and Andrew wanted to talk FMD at the outset as well. And and I think you know the the, the the tardiness i guess of the response is what some of the criticisms was around uh, when the threat of fmd hit bali uh, last year do you think do you think there's enough being done now at the border to make sure we're still safe like you know did they did they get their act together eventually do you think well eventually and that was a problem i mean you've got to be you've got to be agile i mean i asked for a briefing um, and from the department and to murray's um, to his credit he gave it to me uh, but within minutes of saying, well, what are the risks and how do they get here? Um, you know, 
banning meat product with, from passengers bringing in uh, from Indonesia was a no-brainer. Foot mats were a, a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that one. Yeah, well, as, as, some, as somebody who did his uh, United Nations FMD training, I mean, foot baths, foot baths are good from a psychological point of view, but in terms of ability to stop spread, pretty limited. No, it, it is it is an education piece exactly around making sure the, the awareness of putting people through there. Uh, it does make it does make you stop and think, right? It does make it you does, stop but, and think as you come. There is in, there yeah. is a small risk, um, and it is small compared to to the meat product piece. Mm. It is a, it is a small risk depending on who's coming through, where they're going after. It was effectively you, you've got to go straight mm. right onto property, and um, and but that's that's conceivable. I mean. This is this is um, one thing when when it is and it becomes heightened, you need to to act quickly and make sure that it's not just psychological, but any any vector is is tried to be managed immediately, and that um, goes from the very smallest all the way through. Uh, and now I think we, we're getting to the point, and I, I actually think that in the next five years or so, um, our borders are going to be even stronger because the technology investments that we've made around three D X ray scanning machines. Not just at Australia Post, but what we're trying to do at airports will be pivotal. So we can pick up organic matter in your bags, and, if, and when we go to electronic declaration cards, we're going to have um, we'll know what's in your bag and what you declared before you land. And if the scan doesn't match what you declared, you'll be greeted by a biosecurity officer, and that's a good thing. Um, the, the containers are a lot more difficult, a lot more difficult to, to actually be able to, to do. Um, we're going from five to about eight and a half million containers by the end of the decade. You can't look in all of them, but we now can trace back because of the billion-dollar investment we, as a government when we were there, we can trace them back um, four years. So if they were sitting in the paddock in Somalia three years ago, but the shipment came from Italy where there's no risk or uh, lower risk, we, we might have looked inside of it because we know that it sat in a paddock somewhere three years ago. We go, well, we might need to open that one up. Well, just uh, out of curiosity, all that sort of technology for organics and whatnot, is there a sort of a cross with, you know, searching for organic products such as meat or flour or <clears throat> vegetables? Isn't there a sort of, a lot of that would also pick up drugs as well? Well, yeah, and that and so, that's so, where so it's a cross sort of funding sort of thing there, I imagine. Uh, well, yeah, uh, asking for a friend, asking for a friend, ask for a friend. Yeah, um, and funnily enough, Border Force um, Home Affairs were very keen for agriculture to take the lead on the artificial intelligence X-ray machines, uh, and then they wanted to piggyback. So we spent the money, and then so because we're invariably at ports, we're at the we're at postal services together as well. Mm. So. That will they will feed their their programming into that, and eventually everything will just go down a, a conveyor belt. If it's got a contraband, it goes to border force. If it's got biosecurity risk, it comes to our guys, and it'll just split off off the conveyor belt. So those are the sort of advancements that we're getting on. But you know we've got to keep that we've got to keep that um, diligence up, and that comes with money. Uh, and you know the the FMD stuff was slow. Um, in their response. I think the other thing that's been slow is the funding of how we do this. So we, we put in over a billion, but what we've got to move to is a cost recovery model. Mm. We're, move, we're moving for that for the exports and, and that'll be phased in that it's full cost recovery by 24, 25. But for importers, um, the work had been done basically just before COVID. COVID hit, we took the decision not to do that so people didn't lose their jobs. 
Um, but um, in the last bu- federal coalition budget, we were we uh, were going to bring back at MyEFA, which was in the last year, the the cost recovery on importers. They're still six months after that. They still haven't given that what it is the government. And now Murray Watts saying he's got a sixty million dollar black hole in cost recovery. Well, champ, let me give you let me give you a quick lesson in, in business. Um, if if you're not charging someone for it, you're going to pay for it. It's the Australian taxpayers paying for it these importers at the moment. Uh, and so this cost recovery model needs to come in uh, and we can work it out to percent how much a passenger is to process, how much a container, mm. how much bulk goods are to process. So th- there is a transparent way to be able to charge this so that everyone pays their fair share of protecting our borders. So it sounds like it sounds like we're kind of, if you summarise a bit, we're waving a red flag of, 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 you know, we've got a big problem over here in the live sheep space. We're probably ra- waving a, an amber flag of caution or, or vigilance in the biosecurity space. What what kind of flag do you think you'd be waving if we're looking at farm labour? Oh, uh, it's on fire. I mean, and this is, the problem is with this is, and, and I've, I've said this publicly, I've been so disappointed with the NFF. They fought shoulder to shoulder with me because I had trouble with the, our Liberal friends on this, the philosophically getting an ag visa up. And it wasn't until the UK Free Trade Agreement and I refused to be part of it until I got an ag visa uh, with ASEAN countries. And so we negotiated ag, and to the credit of the NFF, they were there all the way, they wanted it. Change of government, Murray Watt first says no. So they go on the corner and say nothing. You, you, you don't give up. You've got to keep fighting for this because you know what's happening now? is there's investment decisions that are being made by farmers, by the processing sector that are saying, you know what, I can't get the labour. I'm not going to go and plant a crop or I'm not going to go and put millions of dollars into a processing plant if I can't put people in it to process it because I can't make a quid. Because so, it's been this sort of move recently of getting more jobs into the regions. I'm like, well, we, don't, we don't need jobs. There's enough jobs there. It's people to fill them. Because Matt and I, exactly. we, we owned a pig farm until September. And there's two reasons why we sold it. One, I hate pigs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, don't, you like what they produce. You just don't I, like the smell I, of them. I don't, I don't like the smell of them, and it just <laughs> does me. Pork roast is my death row meal. I, but the problem is we just couldn't get labor. Yeah. And I, so it was just impossible. And we were sort of, what do you, we don't want to get phone calls at 4 o'clock in the morning. You've got to drive two and a half hours to the farm to load pigs because somebody's quit. Yeah. And, and it's going to be four months before you can find a staff member. And... It was impossible. And, and this, is, this is where people are giving up. And, and the problem we've got is the, the real opportunity we had here was the next generation of migrants coming to regional Australia, hmm. um, not just to grow regional Australia but to grow agriculture. And, and we've missed this opportunity because we were going to give them a pathway to permanent residency. And what that looked like is four or five years working out of the visa and then do another two years um, in agriculture in those regions and you get your pathway because we find that if you do four to five years, you put roots down in the community you're in. You're going to be and so it's just common sense. This was just common sense. And, you know, um, it, you know, it's just frustrating that we're now sitting here and, and, and industry's given up and, you know, business, unfortunately, has given up and they're making and they're taking their money elsewhere. Because the, the FTA basically removes British backpackers. Yeah, from, there's from about 9,000. 9,000 were lost with the British. About 20%, 20% of all backpackers. Yeah, and some some of those still go to rural areas, but majority. Let's be honest, the majority of twenty year olds are going to be in Bondi, or wherever. And at a bar, yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. If I was twenty year old, yeah. I'd probably be doing the same. All of us would be, but 
so I, I've never understood why the ag visa hasn't been like I frustrated as well. I haven't heard anything about ag visas or anything similar to replace it. And and this is the thing is they got a tripartite agreement out of the job summit. I went to the job summit to be constructive. To, to represent regional Australia, not just for agriculture. We believe that we, we're probably going to need a, a regional visa that emulates that across other industries, whether it be, you know, uh, dentists or physios or mechanics or whatever it might be, with the same incentive to stay and have a pathway to permanent residence. Uh, but, you know, all they came out of the job summit was a tripartite agreement between the NFF, the Labor government and their unions. I mean, all they've done is open up the union movement to get membership in each one of these businesses. There's been no outcomes around new workforce. The NFF and COSBOA sat about five metres from me and said we were 172,000 workers short uh, to put food from a paddock to your plate. Uh, and there has been bugger all brought in, probably 10,000, which we were already bringing in under the Pacific scheme when we were in government. Mm. That was that's not going to cut the mustard, and this is where you know I've, I know the NFF got upset with me, but they've been cowering in a corner. They're not prepared to stand up to the new government. They think if they play nice with them um, and don't make noise, then it won't be as bad. Well, it is bad. It's actually not just on on labour, on live trade, on water. Um, we are seeing um, that we are going to face the consequences. And unless you stand up, and you have more currency than me, I'm a redneck nat from Western Queensland in the eyes of the public. They stand up in the capital cities and say your cost of living is going up because farmers aren't giving the tools. That's a very powerful argument, but you've got to have that courage and conviction to stand up and do it. And unfortunately, our peak bodies haven't. Has as your relationship soured a little bit with the peak bodies and NFL? Uh, I'm, I'm just noticing a little bit of... Tension your voice. Like I'm, a, I'm obviously a psychologist, so I can pick this kind of stuff up. <laughs> just, just sit back and tell me your problems. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, 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 how long have we got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you might get too deep. Uh, you'll find other things out. Um, you know what? I, I call as I see it, and I have no problems um, in taking uppercuts when I when I do something wrong. Uh, and, and being told that I've got enough emotional intelligence to know that I've, I've done something wrong and and prepared to live with that uh, and rectify it. Uh, but I'm not going to hold back uh, when I can see a problem. I'll be honest, and I've given them accolades when I've needed to, um, but when they don't live up uh, to what their members expect them to do, then I'm going to call them out um, because they have a privileged position like me. Uh, when I was agonist, I had the most privileged position of leading Australian agriculture. Uh, they get the most privileged position to represent the actual farmers themselves to be their advocate. And if they don't have the courage and conviction to do it, then they should get it out of the way. Um, it doesn't matter the equation of government. They should be have the courage to be consistent with the message, whether it's my mob or it's the other mob. That's, um, that's a good segue, actually. I know we're running short of time, so I just want to leave you with one more question there that... Um, yeah, with my magic wand as a, as a genie, I, I make you ag minister again for a day. What's the first thing you, you do? Uh, ag visa. Uh, <laughs> ag visa, live sheep. Uh, Murray Darling basically completed with infrastructure, no more buybacks, uh, and then we get the hell out of your life uh, and stay the hell out of your life as best we can with uh, making sure that all the funding for biosecurity is done and agriculture and farmers will do the rest. Hmm. There you have it. There you have it. Thanks, okay. thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Um, it's been. I, mean, I know your time's short, so we won't keep you too much longer. Anything else to add, Andrew? No, no. no look. Oh, sorry, Andrew. Sorry. Oops. Oh, oh, on, on you go, David. 
No, no, no. Look, thank you. I mean, it's oh, I'm passionate about it, and you know, it's great that that there are new mediums that are putting out agriculture's message. Um, you know, we've got to be proud, and it's not just me; it's everybody that's in the industry. We have to be a little. We have to be a little bit proud. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> But no, I think uh, yeah, you definitely. Actually, I decided to do some research on you using artificial intelligence. Oh right! I used the new Chat GPT bot and asked it give us some personal reflections on uh, Dave Littleproud. And it said you were a humble person. Uh, actually, I'll I'll write this read this one out to you verbatim. Despite being a politician. <laughs> Little Proud is known for his down-to-earth personality and sense of humour. He has been described as approachable and genuine and often uses social media to connect with his constituents and share personal stories about his life. So despite being a politician, there you go. You're, you're, you're an all right bloke. <laughs> so, so the robots are okay with you at the moment. Yeah, yeah well, thank God for that. So when they take, when they take yeah. over, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I might, I might survive, and they take over. Thank God. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, we, we might. Um, unless you, we unless you, unless you've got any other messages, David. For no, no, no. Yep. Look, it's, it's it's fantastic, and, and love. Uh, you know, just talking about ag. I, I I've been in it all my life. I was actually my mum and dad had a mixed farm, and then I went into agri banking. I was a real bank manager, and, and you know these people are real, and they're they're the people we represent. And when I don't have that passion. I've got to get out of the road because someone that has should be there to represent them because they deserve it. That's good. All right. Well, we'll see you, David, when you've got nothing on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me.